you brought your Bible with you this morning, will you hold up the Word of God all over the building? I want to ask you to join me, if you will, in an Old Testament book by the name of Ecclesiastes this morning, chapter number 10, page 703, if you have an old Schofield Bible, 703 in the old Schofield uh, or the book of Ecclesiastes. The best way to find this book is kind of shut your Bible open at the middle. You probably would be somewhere near the book of Psalms. And just over a couple of books from Psalms, you'll run into the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number 10. And then I'm going to ask you, if you will, to leave your Bibles open this morning and follow me as we just look at a phrase of a verse, but we'll look at some other verses along with that. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10, all right? Don't forget our service this afternoon at 5.30, 5.05 for prayer room, 5.30 for our service. We're looking forward to having a good time together in God's house all day long today, and uh, we want to keep God's day holy, right? Holy, H-O-L-Y, and if we're going to keep it holy, we've got to keep it W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy. You'll get that later. But that includes Sunday night as well, praise the Lord. And so I hope you'll be here for that. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 10. If you're there, would you say amen? All right, I want you to look this way, if you will. This chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, the one that we're in this morning, really magnifies the importance, the significance of little things. How that little things in our life, if not attended to, can easily become, uh, cause big problems in our life. Now, if you want to see how this works through this chapter, look at verse number 1, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1, and we have a verse here about a fly. A fly. You say, a fly? Yeah, a fly. You know, like flying around. Look at verse number 1. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. In other words, a little old fly in a bottle can mess up a whole bottle of something good. If you get a bad cough and you want to take some cough syrup and you hold that bottle up and shake it a little bit and hold it up to the light and there's a big old dead fly floating belly up in that thing, probably you're not going to take that cough syrup. You're just going to cough your head off and throw the bottle away. And one little old fly ruined a whole lot of good. And that's the way it is in the Christian life. If we aren't careful, one little fly, one little thing can ruin much good. By the way, that's where we get our statement that we use sometime, the fly in the ointment. And that sta statement simply means the one bad thing that messes up a whole lot of good things. The one fly in the ointment. Then we come to chapter 10 and look at verse number 20. Next we read about a little bird. Look at chapter 10, verse 20. Curse not the king, no, not in thy thought. And curse not the rich in thy bedchamber, for a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath, been, uh, hath wings shall tell the matter. That's where we get our little statement, a little bird told me. We get that come right from the Bible here. Be careful what you say about people. You know, a lot of people's reputation has suffered much damage because of somebody repeating gossip or spreading gospel. you got to be careful with stuff like that. A little bird will run and tell what you have to say. Little things. And then we come to our text verse this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse number 8. And in this verse we read about a snake. Now I don't like snakes. Do you? Dead ones or live ones. Red ones or whatever color. Let's see. What is that? I, I used to be a little saying, you go red on the belly, uh, something, red on the back. You're all right, Jack. Red on the belly. 
call the funeral home. Something like that. They used to go something like that. Well, we read about a snake. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Look at verse number 8. The Bible said this, He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it, and whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. So we got a little fly, a little bird. Now we got a little serpent here. By the way, when I say little, in comparison to like a bear or a lion, a snake is just a small thing. But if we aren't careful, those small things will cause great damage in our life. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 8 is our text verse this morning. And if you look at that verse, really it's about two things. First of all, it's about a hole. Look at verse number, uh, chapter 8, uh, the uh, Chapter 10, verse 8, the first phrase there says this, He that diggeth a pit, a hole, shall fall into it. I'm going to preach on that hole some of these days because that hole was a dug hole, that hole was a deep hole, and that hole was a dangerous hole. Now, the reason that it was so dangerous is because a man could fall into it. we got to be careful the holes that we dig in this walk of life. You know, if we're not careful, we'll dig a hole deep enough that we'll fall into it ourselves, or surely those who are coming behind us may fall into the holes that we dig. I'm going to preach on that hole some of these days. And the Bible said, if a man who digs a pit, if he's not careful, he'll fall into the pit that he's dug. But this text is not only about a hole. This text is about a hedge. Look again at chapter 10, verse 8. And the Bible said this, And whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. In other words, I, I want to preach this morning a little bit on that hedge that's mentioned there in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse number 8. It talks about the hedge. Now, the word hedge or some form of it appears 19 different times in our Bible. 16 of those times are in the Old Testament. Only three of those times are in the New Testament. But believe me when I say that there is a message in the hedge. Oh, I want to encourage you this morning just to sit up. Hey, cut your cell phone off. Cut your cell phone off. Cut your watch off. Beam me up, Scotty. Beam me up. Cut that off. And just sit up this morning and listen to what God says about the hedge. Hey, this may be a primarily Old Testament thing, thinking about a hedge, because it's mentioned more in the Old Testament than it is in the New Testament. But I got to tell you, there is some great relevance for you and I living in New Testament days or the days of grace when it comes to the subject of the hedge. Now, I want you to look again at chapter 10 and verse 8. There are three things I see in this text. First of all, I see a building. Second of all, I see a breaking. And third of all, I see a biting. Do you see that in that text? A building, a breaking, and a biting. Now, what in the world does that have to do with us? I mean, for crying out loud, today's May the 23rd. We're seven days away from Memorial Day, the unofficial start of summer, a great time of the year. What in the world does this, this hedge, this building, this breaking, and this biting have to do with you and me living in these days? Well, if you'll listen this morning, I tell you, there is a great truth for you and I as we live out these last days upon the earth. So I have three things I'd like to say about the hedge. First of all, number one, I want to talk about this, someone willing 
to build. Someone willing to build. Now, when we read in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse number 8 about a hedge, it's already there. I mean, we don't read one word in verse number 8 about the building of this hedge, somebody building this hedge. All we do when we jump into the text, we read about a hedge that's already been built. But that presupposes the fact that somebody had to build the hedge. It just didn't happen. This hedge just didn't happen. Somebody had to labor. Somebody had to sweat. Somebody had to bleed to build this hedge. For instance, in chapter 8, 10 and verse number 8, the Bible talks about digging a hole there. Can I tell you something? A hole just doesn't happen. Somebody's got to dig a hole for crying out loud. You don't dig a hole by accident. You just don't one day wake up and fall in a hole and, and somebody say, oh my goodness, uh, where'd that hole come from? Man, somebody, uh, it's an accident. I fell in a hole. You don't dig a hole by accident and you don't build a hedge by accident. There is a builder behind the hedge. That's right. Now, a hedge. What are we talking about when we say hedge? Well, we're talking about, I guess, more in our terminology, uh, in today's terminology, we would think more about a fence or uh, we would think about a gate or something of that nature, something to keep somebody out and something to keep somebody in. That is a hedge. Now, in the Old Testament, we read a lot about the building of hedges in the Old Testament. Many times in the Old Testament, if somebody had a vineyard and they wanted to protect that vineyard, they would put a hedge a fence, uh, uh, a garrison around that vineyard to keep the beast of the field from getting inside of that thing and destroying their, their, their vineyard. For instance, we read this in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse number 1. We're talking about a vineyard. In fact, the last phrase there said this vineyard is in a very fruitful hill. And then we read right after that, we read in verse number 2, we read this, and he fenced it. In other words, the owner of this vineyard, oh, he was so proud of his vineyard. It had the potential. It was just in the right place. It was in a fruitful hill. The dirt was rich with nutrients and, and uh, fertilizer. It, it received just the right amount of sunshine and, and boy, the rains come and watered that vineyard. It was a great vineyard. It had a lot of potential, but he wanted to keep that vineyard safe, so he fenced about it. Or in terminology, Bible terminology, he hedged about that vineyard to keep the wild beast out and to keep the vineyard protected and safe on the inside. Are you following me with this now? Again, we read over in Psalms chapter number 80 about this. Look at Psalms 80, verse number 8. The Bible said, Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. Now stop, hold on, what's that mean? Well, we know that Israel come out of Egypt. And in the Bible, Israel sometimes is pictured as a vine. So God said, I brought a vine. I went to the land of Egypt. I got my big old shovel after they'd been there for 400 years. God said, I took my shovel of grace. I kicked it in the ground and I dug up this vine and I carried it over and I planted it in a very fruitful hill. And then he goes on to say a couple of verses later, he said, why then hast thou broken down her hedges? In other words, God put this vine, the nation of Israel, in a good place, a place where they could prosper and thrive and flourish. And then God fits that nation in to keep the bad stuff out and the good stuff in. He fenced it, he hedged it. But then oh, little by little, that hedge began to come down. And the wild beast, so said the next verse, the boar out of the wood doth waste it, and the wild beast of the field doth devour it. What happened? The hedge came down. 
The hedge was placed there by somebody who labored. I find out, found out most of, the, uh, most of the time in the Old Testament when they built hedges, they either built them, number one, out of rocks, or else they built them out of uh, uh, limbs off of trees, uh, the uh, thorn bushes, and uh, just wood laying around, and somebody would go out and they would gather a bunch of that and they would twist it together and they would lay it upon layer upon layer until they built a hedge to keep the bad stuff out and the good stuff in. Or else they would go out and they would pick up rocks and over a, 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 a certain amount of time they would have enough rocks and they would stack those rocks on top of each other and then it would provide a hedge to keep the vineyard safe. I'm telling you, when you saw a hedge, Number one, you understood somebody labored, somebody sweated, somebody bled, somebody had calluses on the hand because they built that hedge. It just didn't happen. It wasn't an accident. Somebody labored for the hedge. And then number two, you also understood this. Somebody loved because of the hedge. You see, they loved what was on the inside, so they wanted to keep the bad stuff out from the inside. So in loving care, in protection, they built this hedge to protect what was on the inside. So the hedge actually involved labor, but it also involved loving. When you saw a hedge, you knew one thing. Somebody cared much for what was on the inside. Somebody loved much what was on the inside. They didn't want anything detrimental getting to what was on the inside. I said all to say this, somebody is willing to build. Now, preacher again, what does all that have to do with us? Well, you know in the Bible we read about a hedge. Now, when, I, when we read about the hedge in the Bible, when we read about it the very first time, there's something in the Bible called the law of first mention. If you're familiar with the Bible, then you may be familiar with the law of first mention. And what that law simply states is, usually the first time that you run across a word in the Bible, the truth that surrounds that word will eventually or will most likely hold true throughout the rest of the Bible. In other words, they call that the law of first mention. So when you read a word and you see the truth that surrounds it, pretty much so throughout the rest of the Bible, when it was first mentioned, it'll hold true throughout the rest of the Bible. Now, the first time in our Bible when we read the word hedge, we don't read about it around a vineyard. We don't read around about, a, about, a, about a, a bunch of sheep. We read about a hedge around God's people. You see, back in the book of Job, chapter 1 and verse number 10, Satan is having a conversation with God. Can you believe that? The devil and God are having a conversation. And during this conversation, Satan, by the way, God says to Satan, he said, have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered him? And Satan, in response to that, in verse number 10, said, God, I can't get to him. God, you've made a hedge about him. And you made a hedge about all of his house and all that he hath on every side. God, you sure must love that boy. God, you sure have labored. You have taken painstaking labor to protect that boy because you got a hedge about him and I can't get to him if I want to. Aren't you thankful that we have a God that's big enough to build a hedge about his people, to keep that which would destroy us out, to keep that which is bad away from us, and to keep that which is good for us. And God in heaven hedges us in. Amen and amen. Thank God for the hedge this morning. I got several hedges in my life. 
uh, places where God's hemmed me in to protect me, places where God is showing his love for me, and God has established some hedges about me just because he loves me and wants to keep me safe. Because he loves me, wants me to have joy, and he wants me to have peace in my life. I just want to say I'm thankful that I serve a God that's hedged me in. I'm glad there's somebody that was willing to build a hedge around this old boy. Yes, sir. I got several hedges around me. Can I say number one? This church is a hedge about me. I thank God for my church. Hey, you know what a preacher is? I just read this a while ago. A preacher is, is somebody who works only one morning a week, and yet he's the subject of every Sunday afternoon meal. So you go on home, and you go ahead and say what you want to about me. But I just want to tell you, I thank God for my church. I'm glad I got a church I can come to and there'll be a choir that'll stand up and sing something about one holy lamb and they'll sing something about out of God's great love and somebody will stand up and tell us how big God is and then we can count on a man of God to crawl in the pulpit with the word of God and he bless God don't care what the deacons think about it or the teachers think about it or the women think about it or the teenagers think about it. He's more interested in pleasing God than pleasing man. He's going to crack that old Bible open and he's going to say what God tells him to say. I'm glad I got a church like that. Don't you? Hey, I ain't preaching for a paycheck. I don't care about a pat on the back. Hey, what I'm interested in is getting in that car later on tonight, driving up Highway 52 and God looking down and saying, boy, you told them exactly what I told you to tell them today. Amen. Yes, sir. Now, where was I at? My church. Well, I'm glad I got a good church. I thank God for my, you know what this church is? It's a hedge to keep the bad things out and to keep the good things in. This church is a hedge. Can I say this? This old King James Bible is a hedge. I thank God for the thou shouts in the King James Bible. You know what God's saying when he says in the Bible, thou shalt do something? He's saying this will help you. This will make you happy. Go ahead and do some of that. And then when he says thou shalt not, God is saying, now that'll hurt you. That'll take away your joy and your happiness. That'll destroy your life. You need to stay away from that right there. I just want to say I'm glad I got a good church. I'm glad I got the best Bible, the only Bible that there is. The Word of God is a hedge about me. Can I say this to you teenagers that are here in this room this morning? Your mama and your daddy that loves Jesus is a hedge for you. You know, I thank God for a mom and daddy who said no to me. They always said yes more than they said no, but I'm glad they had enough courage to say no to me sometimes. I'm glad my mom and daddy said, you're not going with them. You're not going to wear that. Hey, you're not going over there. You know what they were doing? They were hedging me and trying to keep the bad stuff out and the good stuff in. Hey, you ought to thank God every once in a while, get on this altar and thank God for a mama and a daddy that loves you and cares about you and tries to provide some direction for your life and won't you see run out here and rip and run and lay around with everybody and everything. You ought to thank God for a daddy that loves Jesus and a mama that loves God. Hey, they're a hedge about you to keep you from destroying your life. Can I say this? My marriage is my hedge about me. 36 years ago, a little over now, I got married. And when I got married, God hedged me in. 
Amen. I thank God for my wife. I thank God for my hedge. God said, don't mess your life up. You step outside of this hedge, you're going to hurt yourself. Stay in the hedge. Good things happen in the hedge. Your marriage is a hedge about you. Hey, can I say this in some kind of a weird way? You're a preacher. This would be a good place to say amen right here. I hate it when I have to stop and ask for them. But your preacher is kind of a hedge around you. Amen. When your preacher stands up, whoever that is, and preaches this book right here, you know what God's saying? Keep that stuff out. That stuff out there will hurt you. Stay right where you're at. Hey, listen to what he's got to say. It'll keep you inside the hedge. It'll keep you from destroying your life. Your preacher is a hedge about I said all that to say this. I'm glad God was willing to build a hedge about me to keep out the bad stuff and to keep in the good stuff. Someone willing to build. Now, I got to say this next one, and before I even say it, this sounds crazy, but look at this one. There's someone wanting to break. Now, you would think that with a God who loves us like he loves us and desires for us the very best that he desires for us, you would think we would want to live life in the hedge. But every once in a while, there's somebody that wants to break out. Yeah, look at our text. Look at this, Ecclesiastes 10, verse 8. Whoso breaketh and hedge. In other words, let's just face it. Thank God for someone who was willing to build. But I can't believe this, but there's someone who's wanting to break. There's somebody who wants out of the hedge. That sounds crazy. Why in the world would you want out of the best place you could be in your life and get out yonder somewhere and find everything that you don't want that's going to mess your life up. Why in the world, after somebody God was willing to build, do you want to break that and step through that and mess up your life? He that breaketh and hedge. By the way, that's on purpose. Just like you don't dig a hole by accident, you don't break through a hedge by accident. I mean, there's somebody, I don't know why, but well, there's somebody that just says, you know something, I think my life would be better on the other side of the hedge. I don't get it. I don't understand it, and yet we see it happen all the time. There are people that's not satisfied with life inside the hedge. There are people who, 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 who don't like what life is like inside the hedge. They feel fenced up. Feel, fenced up inside the hedge. They feel fenced in inside the hedge. They feel like they're cramped. They feel confined and they feel restricted. They feel like there's something better outside the hedge. They feel like they're messing out, missing out on the best that life has to offer. So what do they do? They try to break through the hedge. They break through the hedge. By the way, that word breaketh means this, to penetrate or to push through the hedge. Can I say something about a hedge? <coughs> a hedge blocks your view. There's a house coming down the road up here, and my wife and I have been thinking about downsizing, and, you know, we getting old and wore out and heading to a rest home. And, but on my way there, we was thinking about getting us a smaller house. And there's one house we pass by it a lot, 
And my wife says, you know something? I'd buy that house if it come up for sale. Just a little small house. And she said, the first thing I'd do is I'd cut them hedge bushes down. Because they've grown up higher in the porch, and you can't see what the, we may not even want it. The hedge bushes weren't there. Because it might not look pretty. Those hedges block your view. Boy, I like it being on the inside of the hedge. Because I can't see what's on the other side of the hedge. It blocks my view. It keeps me, it keeps me focused on life inside the hedge. You know what happens to a lot of God's people? They, they stand up on their tippy toes or they get them a block or two and they stand up and they start looking over the hedge and they start thinking to themselves, man, I tell you, I wish I was out there. I tell you what, this stuff inside the hedge just isn't, isn't for me anymore. And so what do they do? They penetrate the hedge. They push through the hedge in spite of all the good that God has done for them in spite of how that God's kept them in the hedge and kept them from messing up their life and messing up their marriage and messing up their home. What do they want to do? They want to, they want to step through the hedge. They want to penetrate, push through the hedge. They want to quit church. They want to tune out the preacher. They don't want that old-fashioned mom and daddy trying to tell them what they can and they can't do. Hey, they're not going to let some Bible stand in the way of them having a little bit of fun. And what do they want to do? They want to step through the hedge, penetrate it, push through the hedge. Brother, I'll tell you something. Let me just stop right here and say this. If you want to do it, God will let you. If you, want to, if you want to push through the hedge, if you want to penetrate the hedge, if that's what you want, you can. You see, God in love and pity and out of concern for us has put that hedge about us and around us. But if you don't like it and you want to break through it, God will say, I didn't make you no robot. If that's what you choose to do, you're welcome to do it. You can push, penetrate through the hedge. You know something? God's not going to make me or you, neither one, live life inside the hedge. I mean, God's not going to force us. When God created us, he didn't program us to do exactly what he wanted us to do. He gave us a choice, a, a, a will, and with our will and our choices that we make in life, we make choices no matter how bad the consequences may be, no matter how detrimental it may be to us, God will say to us, if you don't like it in here, you want to step through, you want to get to the other side, if that's what you want to do, you can go ahead and do it. God's not going to force you to live inside the hedge. But let me tell you something, nobody's ever been the better for breaking through the hedge. Nobody's life has ever been made better for breaking through the hedge. You see, there's someone willing to build. God loved you so much. God cared about you so much that he put a hedge about you. And the only way the devil can get to you is for God to let down the hedge. But as crazy as it may sound, if you want to break through it, you can break through it. That prodigal's daddy, when he got it in his mind to go to the far country, I'm sure he pleaded. I'm sure he cried. I'm sure he prayed. But at the end of the day, he didn't stop that boy from leaving home. 
And can I tell you something? God will send the Spirit of God by your way to convict your heart. God will lay a message on the heart of some preacher somewhere to try to get your attention. God will plead with you, and there are others who will pray for you. But if you want to get your bags and bust through the hedge, if that's what you want, God will let you do it. Someone willing to build. Someone wanting to break. But now here's the message. Watch this. There's someone waiting to bite. Look at our text again. Ecclesiastes 10 verse number 8 says this. Whoso breaketh an hedge. Now read these next words with me. Ready? Let's read it. A serpent shall bite him. You know something? God said if you want out, you can get out. If you think your life would be better off out there, away from me, if that's what you want, you can do it. But God says, uh, I just want to tell you, there is a price to be paid. Hey, if you think your life would be better off out there in some kind of adulterous affair, God said, if you want to bust through the hedge and go for that, you go for it. But I'm going to tell you, there's a price, sir. Man, there's a price you're going to pay for that. Hey, if you think your life would be better off out there in the world somewhere, eating out of the garbage cans and the cesp, drinking out of the stagnant cesspools of this world, if, you, if that's what you want, God will say, you can go. But I just want to tell you, there's a price to be paid. I put down three things and I'm done. And this is my message. But I put down three things according to this text. And I'm going to stay in the text. But there's three things that possibly can happen when you break through the, through the hedge. First of all, watch this. Number one, you will be bitten. Now, if the Bible be true, how many of us believe the Bible is true? I do. If the Bible be true, and it is, you will be bitten. That ver the verse doesn't say, whoso breaketh an hedge a serpent might bite him. A serpent may bite him. No, it says a serpent shall bite him. You know what that tells me? Go ahead and push through it, buddy. Go ahead and penetrate it. Turn the preacher off. Turn your back on church. Throw your Bible down. Never read it again. Take off. Hobnob around. Lay around with whoever you want to. Drink your liquor. Smoke your drugs. Do whatever you want to do. But God said, I just want to tell you, mark her down. You're going to be bitten. You shall be bitten. That's text. That's Bible. That's black letters on white pages, the inspired Word of God. God said it's going to happen. There's a price to be paid. You know, there's a verse over in our New Testament that says this. Be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Now let me put my Old Testament glasses on and quote it in Old Testament language. Whoso breaketh an hedge a serpent shall bite him. You're not going to be able, if you're God's child, you're really God's child, you're not going to be able to get by with it. Right when you step through that hedge, push your way through it, there's a coiled up snake that's waiting to bite you. You know, the first, the first body in the Bible that the devil entered to, into was a serpent. You remember the story in Genesis chapter 3? 
And I think the text is warning us. You go ahead, set God's word aside, do what you want to do, live how you want to live, penetrate the hedge, push through the hedge. But you better know one thing, the devil's waiting on you. On the other side, you shall be bitten. But number, number two, not only you will be bitten, you may be broken. You know something? You and I can push through the hedge if we want to, penetrate it. We can get on the other side of it, get out there and say, Whoa, man, I hated the confines that I felt on the inside of the hedge. Isn't that crazy? So you're leaving the freedom of the inside life pushing and penetrating through the heads to get outside because you think, man, I want to be free, and there ain't nothing free about sin. You know, I think about the nation of Israel. How many times do we read in the Old Testament when they say, uh, man, we enjoyed the cucumbers and the melons and the, garden, uh, the garlics and the onions and, and, and all of that that we ate freely down in the land of Egypt. Freely, you were a bunch of slaves down there. You ate it freely? Are you kidding me? You didn't eat that freely. That's like a man getting out of prison and saying, man, I miss them communal showers. <laughs> Woo! I tell you what, I miss them meals in prison. Are you kidding me? Yes, sir. The only free life there is is inside the hedge. You step outside, there's nothing outside but bondage, addiction, and brokenness. You will be bitten. You may be broken. That's right. I remember years ago, I've only pastored two churches, this one and the other church, and some of those folks now, they're starting to die. It was a young church, and they're starting to die off, so I'm having to go back down there to do funerals now. And, uh, and every time I go down there, I think about this person or that person that was there. But the other day, for some reason, I thought about a man and his wife that was in our church. They were invited by another couple in our church who were, they were good soul winners and they, they moved into this area and they came to our church. Man, they were constantly bringing people with them to church and they brought this young couple with them and we were kind of, we were young at that time ourselves, my wife and I, we were, we were young and our kids were about the same age. And so they started coming to our church. They were from Houston, Texas. They were Catholics from Houston, Texas. And I mean, they'd never been in a Baptist church, especially one with the preacher that hollers. And so they came one Sunday, and they came the next Sunday. The next Sunday, they walked down the aisle, and they got saved. Well, you could just tell they had no clue what had just happened to them. I mean, it was like, it was like a glazed overlook in their eyes. But they started coming every Sunday. I baptized them in Frank Rogers' cow pond on Old 109. And baptized them in a cow pond, and they started coming on Sunday morning. Then they started coming on Sunday night. Then they started coming on Wednesday. They started coming to every service. And when they did that, my wife and I and our kids, and because their kids were the same age, we started kind of hanging out a little bit. We would go to their house and have cookouts, or they'd come to our house. Uh, maybe their wife, his wife, would maybe watch our kids if something was going on, or we would in turn watch theirs. And he had a flat-bottom boat, and they lived near High Rock Lake. And so every once in a while... Me and Seth and him, him and his son, we'd go out on the lake and fish all day or just putter around out on the lake or whatever. So we got close to them. And they were faithful. They'd come every service. And then a year or two later, they started missing a service. And then they started missing two services. And then they just quit altogether. 
And we would call them and reach out to them and try to get them to come back to church. And, you know, there was always an excuse. Well, my kids, he got a ball game Sunday or there's ball practice on Wednesday night or I'm working six days a week and I only get Sunday off. and We're just going to go out on the lake. And I mean, they always had an excuse for not coming until finally one Wednesday night, I got a call. We didn't have cell phones back then, but he called the parsonage where we live. His name was Mike. And he said, Preacher, uh, y'all still having church on Wednesday night? I said, Always, Mike, always. And he said, uh, I'm coming tonight, and I'd like to talk to you when church is over. I said, okay, sounds good. I'm glad you're coming. He come to church that night, set through the service. When church was over, he come up to me. He said, can we go talk somewhere? Not here. Too many people around. Can we go somewhere and just talk? And we went back into a, a, in a room, and when he sat down, he just broke. He started weeping. And through the tears and trying to listen to what he had to say, what he had happened is that week he'd come home from work early and caught his wife in the bed with another man. Oh, he was tore all to pieces. Tore all to pieces. He said, Preacher, I just come to ask you to pray for us. He said, We're going to move back to Houston, Texas to be around our family. And we're going to try to work on this. We're going to try to make our marriage work, especially for the children. And then he said this before he left. He said, I, but I want to tell you one thing, preacher. This would have never happened to us if we hadn't got out of church. Amen. Text translation. This wouldn't have happened if we hadn't have broke through the hedge. Amen. You will be bitten. You may be broken. Number three. You can be buried. I, I know what I'm about to say is uncomfortable. I get it because we preach so much about a God of love and mercy and grace, and we should. We make much of His love and mercy and grace. But can you come here for just a minute and let me tell you that God sometimes does use stuff like disease. God does use stuff like disappointment disasters. God does use stuff like death to get people back where they need to be. Let's just face it. God does sometimes work like, oh, you say preacher. Oh, you got to be kidding me, preacher. God of love wouldn't do that. You need to read your Bible. Because God can and God will get our attention. I've said everything that I've said to say this one thing. Man, you can't find anything better than what you got inside the hedge. There's nothing out there. It may promise ecstasy, but it produces agony. It may promise thrills, but it winds up in kills. It's not going to better your life. It don't get no better than what you find inside the hedge. So if I'm speaking to somebody this morning and, man, you've already started making some holes. You've already been working. You've been thinking about it. You've been standing up on your tiptoes trying to look over the hedge. Can I just encourage you this morning? Stay in the will of God. There's no safer place you can attend than the house of God. 
and no safer place you can abide than the will of God. There's nothing out there that can compare with what you find inside the hedge. Ask anybody that's ever been out and come back, where's life better? I'll tell you where it's better, inside the hedge. Let's pray. Father.